Today, March 14th, 2021, Carl, Jalise, Shahidullah, Daniko, and I, Ezra, are speaking in St. Louis, Missouri about Japanese American internment. Franklin Delano Roosevelt decided that all Japanese Americans were possible spies, unsafe, or could be working for the Emperor of Japan, Hirohito. On February 19, 1942, FDR issued Executive Order 9066, which allowed the military to put any persons of Japanese descent into concentration camps, where they would be isolated from society. This order was placed after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. This was extremely devastating for many Japanese Americans because whatever property they owned had to be sold or was taken by the U.S. government because they were only permitted to bring with them a few necessities like bedding and things of sentimental value to the individual. Over 120,000 Japanese Americans were forced into these camps. Japanese internment camps were in the western part of the U.S., states like Arizona, California, Utah, Colorado, and Wyoming. These camps were located along the Pacific coast because this is where the majority of Japanese Americans lived at the time. Many of the Japanese Americans that lived in the western states came across the Pacific Ocean and moved to, state, to the states in that area. With this information, the government placed internment camps in the western states along the Pacific coast, which is where many of the Japanese Americans were. Every person of Japanese descent, whether they be foreign-born or American citizens, were all transferred into the Japanese internment camps. In these internment camps, four or five families, with their collections of clothing and possessions, shared uninsulated army-style barracks. Gradually, some insulation and lightweight partitions were added to make the residential barracks more private and comfortable. Inside the camps, many of the internees tried to establish community by setting up schools, churches, newspapers, sports, and other activities. However, eating in common facilities, using shared restrooms, and having limited opportunities for work interrupted other normal social patterns and took a toll on the internees. On the perimeter of the camps were barbed wire fences, patrolled by armed guards, ordered to shoot any internees that attempted to flee. The conditions of these camps were generally considered humane, and most of the internees lived in these conditions for nearly three years until the end of the war. Was that pay to survivors enough to pay for what they went through and to help them get back on their feet? No, because they had lost everything they had owned, like their houses, restaurants, and other property, either by the government for not paying taxes or just seized by the people or even selling them for as little as $5 at the very beginning when the government had asked them to evacuate their homes. In 1988, Congress passed and President Reagan signed Public Law 100-383 that acknowledged the injustice of internment, apologized and paid $1.25 billion in reparations. 
It provided a 20,000 cash payment to each person who was interned. It took nearly two years for the promised $20,000 checks for survivors and their families to arrive. With such an aging population of survivors, that delay saved the government thousands of dollars while many of the survivors died, and many more aged into ailing conditions that would prevent them from ever gaining any positive benefit from the payment. Did people speak up about what was going on, or did everyone agree with uh, that the Japanese were dangerous and could be potential spies? People agreed with the government and thought that Japanese Americans were potential spies. The roundup uh, uh, and internment of Japanese uh, American citizens led to a few peaceful protests as well as several legal fights. One legal battle, the case of Kurimatsu versus United States, led to a Supreme Court ruling in 1944 that the evacuation and internment of uh, Naisi was constitutional. After much uh, organizational chaos, about 15,000 Japanese Americans willingly moved out of uh, prohibited areas. Inland state citizens were not keen for new Japanese residents and they were met with racist resistance. Ten state governors voiced opposition fearing the Japanese might never leave and demanded that they be locked up if the states were forced to accept them. Now Danica will be talking about a woman who survived the Japanese internment camps and share a bit about her story. Alright, this is a story about Margaret Nakamura Cooper and how she was in internment camps during World War II in California. Um... She she uh she was among about hundred twenty thousand people who lived in or the Japanese people that lived in California on the West Coast or mostly around the West Coast. Um. So after after the order of uh, FDR, after Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, uh, that she she started she went first went to the camp in April, and she was there about. About a year and six months. So there's like two camps, six months behind barbed wire at San Anita Racetrack and the rest of the time behind more barbed wire at Hard Mountain, Wyoming. That's what she said. Um, she said that she she didn't want she didn't want to be in Japan. She really she wanted to be in America. Um, there's her parents. Her dad came to America, Seattle, with only forty dollars, and he went to the armed forces. And uh, her mother was a San Jose native. After six months, uh, the family uh, went to bad conditions in, well, not bad, or just hot conditions in Santa Anita Camp, Tar Mountain, where the temperature dropped to 36 below zero. Um, this is just mainly about where she lived. Yeah. Her, her family, and her family had a tag. I think it was, it, was, it is number three six I mean three two zero six two and they live in twenty by twenty spaces which is really tiny uh block nine five B she said the she just took away eighteen months of her life and um 
Well, her brother had died when she was 11. And, uh, yeah, that's really was it. And how the bad spaces and stuff like that, her getting through it. Her family had lost everything going to it. And um, one of her, her Japanese family spirits, not no spirits, is just to just endure. Yeah, she she loved her flag. She loved her country. It's the basically thing she said. And it was talking about how it was, she went through it and how it was. To further explain what her brother had, it was um, spinal meningitis, which came from the cramped headquarters. And he, when she was 11, he had died. They got to leave when, when her dad got a job. And she even said that some people wanted to stay there because they had no job, no money. So nothing to support themselves when they got out of there. Uh, she, this happened in 1942, and she said that this was an act of racism because Germans and the Italians weren't uh, put behind barbed wire. And that concludes our podcast. Thanks for listening.